0: You can take your Bibles and turn to Matthew chapter 6, and I want to welcome you here to Big Valley Grace, especially those of you that are are visiting with us uh, today here. You're always welcome here, this family. Last night when I walked up here, man, just a great crowd here, and you know, we've got a large um, family, and it meets on Lots of uh, different uh, times and different locations. I want to welcome those of you that are over in the, in the venue. Great worship going on over there. I was there earlier. And um, I was struck with something um, last night. I don't know if you've ever thought about this. But I believe that the Lord was just really, really excited about this moment. I think he could hardly wait until the, the band, the, the orchestra, started to play. He was excited that you got up this morning and combed your hair and brushed your teeth and made your way down here. He was excited. He was pumped. Because he knew that you were going to gather and you were going to sing songs to him. You were going to sing hymns and praises to him. He knew that you were going to bring a gift to him. He knew that his word was going to be proclaimed. He knew that all that was going to take place here on this campus was about him and his name. Whether you meet in this building or you're over there in the venue, it didn't matter to him. He was excited about you being here today. He was excited about the fact that you had come to worship him. In fact, he was more excited than probably you were. He was excited when you drove down that parking lot. He was excited when you got into your parking spot. He was excited when you got in here. I kind of envisioned him just on the edge of his seat. Yes, my people who I died for have come to sing songs to me, bring gifts to me, hear my word proclaimed. It's an amazing thought. For those of you that are visiting, you're probably thinking, man, what are all these things? What's going on? Well, um, we're a church that, that believes That the second person of the Holy Trinity, Jesus Christ, came to planet Earth and died on a cross for our sins. In fact, the Bible says that God so loved the world, He so loved you, that He gave His only Son. The Bible says in Romans that God demonstrated how much He loves you, how much He cares for you, by coming and dying on a cross. And we've given our life to that God. And then that same God who demonstrated how much he cares for us said, now here's the gig. I want you now to care for others the way I've cared for you. In fact, it's the second greatest commandment that we love others, that we take care of others the way we take care of ourselves. And so for those of us that are followers of Jesus Christ, um, we're compelled, we're commanded to care about others. And one of the things that is going on in our town, my town, I was born and raised here, this is my town, is is that there are children that are ready to go back to school who do not have the supplies necessary to learn. Now, that didn't make any sense to me. I I grew up in a home where I had plenty of pencils, plenty of erasers and papers and backpacks. I, I never went without. But in our town, there are thousands of children who won't have backpacks with pencils and papers and stuff, and that's not okay to us. It can't be okay to God's people. God so cared about people, he gave his life up for them. And then he says, now I want you to care about people too. And we're called to care about the poor and, and the needy, and so uh, We handed out these little cards to our people, and it had a whole list of things that we were to buy, and so each one of these backpacks has paper in them, and pencils in in them, and crayons, and protractors, and all the stuff that a child would need, along with, we put a gospel of John into each one of these, and then we partner with uh, different places, and we make sure that we do our part. Now, there's still going to be children who have no backpacks. We can't. You know, we can't reach them all but we can we can do our best to touch some lives and when these children get these backpacks and they hear they came from God's people followers of God it makes a difference in their lives I know that many of them pull those gospels of John out and read them and I know that the word doesn't return void and I know you believe that too And so we as a church family have just been collecting these over the last couple of weeks, and and we're just going to be a blessing to our community. We're going to care about our community. We're going to meet the needs of some of our, our people in our community, just as Jesus met our need on the cross. And maybe you're here and you haven't been around in a while. You could still pick up a card on your way out and by Monday at about 9 o'clock, we're, we're packing all these things up. You can bring them down to the church, and we're going to take them and distribute them. And I think next weekend we even show you the parties that the gospel mission has and different ministries where the kids get these. And you get to see the smiles on their faces, and you get to see the joy that was brought. There's also a place where, where you can leave a little note for the person who, who gets this. And obviously, these little notes talk about Jesus and how much Jesus loves them and cares about them. And so if you're visiting with us, that's what these backpacks are. It's one of the practical ways that this church family loves the people in this community, the poor, the needy, the oppressed. And it's also a way that God helps us to continue to be generous. Because our flesh wants to just keep, 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 right? And God presents these moments where he says, I want you to be generous with what I've given you. And it's a way for us to say, you know what? Each one of these packs is probably about 30 bucks because you just don't buy the pack. You buy all the stuff in it. Sitting up on this platform is probably 30 or $40,000 worth of stuff. You could have went out and bought a new shirt with it. You could have bought a new tie with it. There's a lot of things you could have done with 30 or $40, I know, and God knows that too. But we made a decision that, you know what? We're gonna be generous with what God has given us and we're gonna meet some needs. And so for those of you that are visiting, that's what these backpacks represent. And uh, I just wanna thank all of you over in the venue, all of you that participated and and were a blessing or or are gonna be a blessing. Well, a little over 2000 years ago, The disciples, the original 12 disciples, came to Jesus one day and they said, Jesus, would you you teach us how to pray? And Jesus did. Jesus taught these guys how to pray. He he gave them a model of prayer or or a, a pattern of how to pray. Today we call it the Lord's Prayer. Probably all of you in this room, whether you're a follower of Jesus Christ or not, have heard of the Lord's Prayer. Jesus said, when you pray, pray like this. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation. You you getting the pronouns here? No eyes, no me's, no navel gazing. This is about us, all of us. There's more to this prayer than I could ever, I could ever draw out. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. The first thing that Jesus tells the disciples is, guys, when you pray, when you talk with God, the first thing you need to understand is who it is you're talking to. You're talking to your Father, your Father in heaven. So so begin by addressing him as your Father. Beloved, this this is all about relationship. God doesn't want you to think of him as some angry tyrant who's up in heaven, you know, ready to bust your chops whenever you blow it. He wants you to think of him as your father in heaven. God doesn't want you to think of him as some apathetic creator who simply wound up the world and let it go and says, hey, good luck. No. He wants you to think of him as your father, your father in heaven. God doesn't want you to think of him as some impersonal force. But Jesus is saying that God is your your father. Your father in heaven. And as I told you a couple weeks ago, that's good news. Because I can relate to a father. I can get to know a father. I can have a relationship with a father. I can have a conversation with a father. But this also puts into perspective who you are the child. He's the father, and you're the child in this relationship. And it doesn't matter what your age is, he's the father, and we're his children. Now, the next thing that Jesus said was was this, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And this is what we're going to talk about a a little bit here this morning. Okay? What does that mean? Hallowed be thy name. Well, the word hallow simply means to to make holy. In fact, the New Living Translation says it like this, Our Father in heaven, may your name be be kept holy the word holy sim- simply means blessed or or sacred or set apart in other words jesus is saying that the name of god is to be made sacred over all other names the name of god is to be set apart above all other names this is called the holy bible the word bible simply means book If you go down to the Stanislaus County Library, there might be a million, two million books in the library. There's only one of them that is holy, that is sacred. It is set apart. This book is like no other book. It's a holy book. It's a sacred book. To hallow God's name is to revere him, to honor him, to glorify him, to to obey him. In Revelation chapter 4, John is transported to heaven, and while he's there, he sees these four special angels that are gathered around the throne, and they repeat the same thing over and over again. The Bible says that day after day and night after night, these four special angels keep saying... Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Sacred, sacred, sacred is the Lord God Almighty. Set apart, set apart, set apart is the Lord God Almighty. 24 hours a day, seven days a week, these angels make this declaration. And someday, if you know the Lord, you'll actually be there which means someday you will actually see these four special angels making this declaration. If you know Jesus as your Savior, you'll be there someday. And not only will you see them, but I think you'll participate in it. But until then, God wants you to keep his name sacred down here on planet Earth. You're not there yet. Someday you'll be there if you know the Lord. But until you get there, God wants you to keep his name holy down here. He wants you to set apart his name. He wants you to make his name sacred down here on planet Earth. Peter said this in 1 Peter chapter 1, he said, Be obedient to God and do not allow your lives to be shaped by those desires you had when you were still ignorant. There there were certain things that we all believed when we were unbelievers, when we weren't followers of Christ and when we didn't have a biblical worldview of things. Instead, Peter says, be holy in all that you do, just as God who called you is holy. The scripture says... Be holy because I'm holy. Beloved, God's holy. He's sacred. There's no one like him. And you're called to live in such a way that you affirm that truth. God calls you to live in such a way that that you keep his name holy. That you keep his name sacred. Sacred. Now, why is this such a big deal? Why is God so sensitive about keeping his name holy? Well, I'm going to rattle off a a few names to you from from the Bible, and I want you to think about the first thing that comes to your mind. And I I like doing this. I've done this before, but pick some different names. Just just think about this. Noah. Man, what's the first thing that comes to your mind? Wow. Some scholars think it took him 150 years to build that boat. 150 years. Okay, let's say it took a hundred. For me, let's just say it took a year. You <laughs> know, in a year I'm ready to go nuts about something if I can't accomplish something. For a hundred plus years, he, he's telling people to repent of their sins, and not one time did anybody ever say, I'll give my life to Jesus, I'll give my life to God. Not once. Moses. Wow. Does that conjure up in your mind? How about about Pharaoh? Hmm. Changes a little bit, doesn't it? King David? The Apostle Peter. Wow. How about Mary? Hmm. How about Jesus? Wow. That conjures up an image in your mind, doesn't it? The Pharisees. How about this name? Judas. How about this one? Lucifer. Wow. In fact, I was reading this week, maybe you saw it in the paper. The devilish name, Lucifer, there were some parents who wanted to name their kid Lucifer. The devilish name has been effectively banned by the New Zealand Names Registrar after three sets of parents had the name denied, says the name of the the paper. The Registrar of Births, Deaths, and Marriages seems to be trying to curb a lifetime of inevitable taunting for the children. I mean, even a secular organization came along and said, hey, listen, That name, we're not going to let you give to your children because that name, just the name, will cause your child problems somewhere down the road. Beloved, every one of these names that I just rattled off conjures up some thought in your mind. Some of them were good. Some of them were bad. But each one of those names made you think about something because there's a lot that's tied up in a name. Reputation character, authority. That's why the Bible says in Proverbs chapter 22, a good name is to be more desired than great wealth. And one of the tragic things about some people who name the name of Christ, they care more about making two or four or eight more shekels than they do about their name. If I can get a little bit more money, my 401K, if I can can make a little bit more money, that trumps their good name. I have sat down with my son on more than one occasion, Cade. And I've said, Cade, I want you to know something. Your last name is Countryman and will always be Countryman. And that name means something. And it's my expectation that you're going to live in such a way that you honor the name countryman. But then I said, Cade, there's another name that trumps the name countryman. And that's the name Christian. It's God's expectation that you honor that name, that you make that name sacred in your life, that you set that part of name, that, 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 that name apart. Beloved, well, it. Here, here's the bottom line. God's name is important to him, and when you misuse it or misrepresent it, you're defaming his reputation. You're defaming his character. You're defaming his authority. You're taking his good name, his holy name, his sacred name, and you're making a mockery of it. So when the guys asked Jesus to teach them to pray, he said, guys, when you pray, when you talk with God, the first thing you do is understand who it is you're talking to. You're you're, you're talking to your Father in heaven, so begin by addressing him as Father. But you also need to understand, Jesus says, that he's holy. That his name is like no other name. That his name is sacred. So keep it holy. Revere his name. Honor his name. Glorify his name. Now this past week I spent some time looking at all these names that God gave himself in scripture. And it was really interesting I didn't realize just how many names God had given himself. And so I just went through and began to look at all the different names that God gave himself. And one of the interesting things I found was for every name that God gives himself, that name meets a need in my life. And it meets a need in your life. Let me give you a couple of examples from the Old Testament. God gave himself the name Jehovah Shammah, which means I am the Lord who is always with you. We live in a culture where people are lonely. Even believers can feel lonely. Now, that's not the truth. They're never alone because God is always with them. And it's the truth that sets us free. And God says, I'm Jehovah Shammah. I'm I'm always with you. You're never alone. Even when you feel like you're alone, you're not alone. God gave himself the name Jehovah Shalom, which means I am the Lord of peace. Anybody ever need any peace in their life? (laughs) Wow. God gave himself the name Jehovah Rapha, which means I am the Lord who heals you. And not just heals you in a physical sense. You know, you break a bone and you heal or you, you know, whatever. He does do that. Absolutely amazing how you can cut yourself. I got a blister not long ago. Man, this thing was all goofed up and turned all red and it was opened and it was gross. You, you can't even see it. Now, I know the world will say, well, you know, your blood all coagulated and blah, 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 blah. Yeah, your blood coagulated. And that's true. But who, who thought that all up? Well, that was, you know, the product of a million years of evolution. God says, I'm Jehovah Rapha. I'm the Lord who heals. But I also think he was talking about something more than just he heals your cuts and your bones and all those things. He heals those, those wounds we never see. The pain of a divorce. The pain of two or three divorces. The pain that divorce caused in your life. The pain of not being able to have children, the pain of somebody who abused you, crummy things some other human being has done to you. There's all of these hurts that we have. You can't see them, but they're there. And God says, I'm Jehovah Rapha. I'm the one who can heal you, whether it be physical or something internal. God gave himself the name Jehovah Jireh, which means I am the Lord who provides. God gave himself the name Jehovah nissi which is I am the God who defends you. He gave himself the name El Simchat Gali, which, which is the Lord uh, of exceeding joy. You need some joy in your life? <laughs> God gave himself the name the rock. When life's unfair, God's a rock. When life seems unmanageable, when you don't know where to turn next, God, you rock. When things are falling apart around you, God, you rock. When you feel threatened, God, you rock. I want you to think about some problem you're facing right now in your life, something that seems huge. I want everybody to think about it right now. What is it? What's that thing? For some of you, you own a business. And you got to make payroll next month, next week. And there's a big deal on the horizon. Oh, man. Oh, man. It's a problem. Maybe you've got to try a big case, and next week you're going to go in front of a judge and jury and try a case. Maybe you're wondering if you're going to get a pink slip this week. Maybe your teenager's gone sideways. Maybe your parents have gone sideways. What is it? Why don't you think about it? Whatever it is, listen to me, God is your rock. God's bigger than whatever that problem is that you had locked into your mind. In Psalms chapter 61, there's a great prayer that some of you need to pray. Hear my cry, O God, listen to my prayer. From the end of the earth I call to you. When my heart is faint, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. For you are my refuge, a strong tower against the enemy. Beloved God is bigger and greater and mightier than whatever problem it is that you're facing right now. He's your rock. Now there was one other name that God gave himself in the New Testament that I want to share with you that I just thought was really special. And that was the name Comforter. It's the Greek word, paraclete. Jesus said, but the comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance, whatever I have said unto you. The comforter. Anybody need any comfort? Like, I don't care who you are. Maybe I'm talking to the men especially. Men, We're just stoic. We gut it out. I don't don't need need anybody. I don't need any comfort. There's not a person in this room that doesn't need comfort. We all do. And, And you know what? A lot of times we get that from our spouse. Or we get it from someone in our small group. But sometimes there are things that happen in our lives that our small group can't handle, our spouse can't take care of. There's only one person who can bring that comfort. And that's the Lord. That's all. Beloved, as you look through the scriptures, you see all these amazing names that God gave himself that somehow help us understand how great and how awesome and how holy and how sacred he is, how how, how different he is. And in the Lord's Prayer, Jesus tells us that we need to remember these things. We need to remember how holy he is. We need to remember how sacred he is. We need to remember how how magnificent he is. Before we start rattling off, you know, whatever our request might be or whatever. Let me ask you, do, do you do that? When you pray, do you spend time remembering how holy God is This is a model of prayer that Jesus gave us. It was a pattern. Do you, do you spend time remembering how sacred God is? Do you spend time thinking about whether or not you're keeping his name holy? Do you spend time thinking about am I am I keeping God sacred? In his name in my life. And for some of you, the Holy Spirit is doing the same thing the Holy Spirit did to me. Bing. <laughs> Kidney punch. I think too many times our prayers are like this. God, I don't have a lot of time to be with you, so let me get right to my list. I need this, and I need this, and I need this. And if you can take care of it all by the time I get home from work, that would be great. See you later, God. Amen. <laughs> oh, we acknowledge he's our father, but there's not one moment spent on how holy he is, how sacred he is, how different he is, how amazing he is, how, how magnificent he is. Not one moment. It's Father, boom, 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 and then we're out the door. God wants to hear the boom, 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 but the Bible also says he knows what the boom, 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 boom is before you ever ask it. We seem to miss the one point here. Hallelujah. Spending time on on who he is, how magnificent he is. You see, all we tend to do is focus on our problems and our needs and our life and our will. We ask and we ask and we ask, and then we run out the door. I want you to think about this. What if your your spouse called you? You know, we got these smartphones now. Bob Powell, senior back there, I think got two or three of them. Um, (laughs) Bob, you have a smartphone? You don't have a smartphone. You still got (laughs) that. You still got that in your house, I'll bet. Well, some of us have smartphones. And when the phone rings now, you, you can see who it is. So I want you to imagine, your phone rings, those of us that are married, and, and you see it's your spouse. And so you, you, you answer the call, and this is what you, you, hear, you heard. Imagine, you know it's your spouse. Hello? This is what you hear. Pick up the clothes from the dry cleaner, pick up the kids from school, get the oil changed in the car, and get some money out of the ATM. Amen, click. Uh, let me ask you. Does that build relationship? No. And what does God desire? Relationship. Our Father. First thing he says is, look, there's this relationship here. Father, child. First thing Jesus is telling us is, this is about a relationship. You can't have a relationship if all you do is rattle off your list and hang up the phone and go out the door, right? I mean, even when I'm in a hurry or you're in a hurry, we're smart enough and wise enough to go, oh, you know, okay, you answer the phone. Hey, honey, how are you? How was your day? Great. Now, hey, pick up the phone, and then you give your list, but at least you say a few kind things. You may not even mean it, but at least you do it. And so here Jesus in this, pattern of prayer that he gives us says, listen hey understand who you're talking to you're talking to your father you're the child and remember keep his name holy remember how sacred he is enjoy remembering his magnificence in your life spend some time there because when you spend some time there probably going to change how you pray probably when you spend time focused on who he is, it puts into perspective some of those other things. In fact, some of you, when you walked in here today, man, you came in here with some heavy burdens. And here you were sitting, and you were kind, and you looked at someone and said, Hey, how are you? Good to see you. And how, I'm doing fine too, and, and that was a lie. You're, you're really burdened by something. And then all of a sudden, the music started. Blessed be the name of the And before you know it, all these great lyrics that are rooted in the Scripture, these these great spiritual songs, all of a sudden your eyes were were moved up. And and now all of a sudden, whenever all those burdens were, you know, and all that stuff, all of a sudden you're not even thinking about them anymore. Why? Because your, your mind is on the sacredness of God, the holiness of God, how different He is. Now you understand why you've come, and here we are. I think the same thing is true in our prayer life. Our Father, oh, it's so good to be with your Father. You are awesome, you're holy, you're unbelievable. I can't even fathom that, that, that you would want to have anything to do with me. Wow, that's where you begin. I think that's how we treat God. Or at least, uh, I'll tell you, I was convicted this week. A lot of times, I don't do that. I got my list, just like everybody else has. And I tend to want to go right there. Instead of just spending time remembering God's importance in my life, his greatness in my life, his holiness in my life. Listen, beloved, prayer isn't just about asking God for things. It's about building a relationship with him. Look, the Bible says he knows what you need before you ever ask it. So why does he want you to ask it? Because it's a way that we spend time with him. It's the relationship of dependency. He wants a relationship with us. Psalms. 148 says, let them all praise the name of the Lord for his name is very great. His glory towers over the earth and heaven. Well, that's true. Now I want to get real practical with you, okay? In the few minutes I have left. I want to give you just a couple of ways that you can keep God's name holy. How you can keep God's name sacred. Number one. You keep God's name holy or sacred when you treat God's name with great respect. And I want to unpack that. You keep God's name sacred. You keep it set apart, holy, when you treat his name with great respect. In Exodus chapter 20, we find the Ten Commandments. Number one is God says, look, I don't want you to have any other gods before me. I'm number one. That's where he starts, and that's where our lives need to start. You aren't going to have any other gods before me. And then number two, he says, look, I don't want you to make an idol for yourself. Don't do that. And then number three, he says, I don't want you to misuse my name. I want to be number one in your life. I don't want you to have anything else that you worship besides me, and you make sure that you honor my name. You make sure you keep my name sacred. And then he says this, the Lord will not let you go unpunished if you misuse his name. Let me ask you a question. How do you normally respond when you hear the name of God being misused? How do you normally respond when you go to the movies or you're at the park or you're at the mall or you're with some friends, you know, whatever, at their house, and you hear the name of the Lord, your heavenly Father's name, being misused? How do you you normally respond? Does it bother you? Let me tell you something. It really doesn't matter whether it bothers you or not. I don't care whether it bothers you. Listen to me. It bothers God. It may not bother you. But it bothers God. His name is holy. His name is sacred. And he wants to make sure that it's kept that way. A lot of people have simply gotten to the point where they just kind of tune it out. I mean, it's so prevalent in our, in our culture today that we've just learned to tune it out, which in my opinion means you really don't love God all that much. Because if someone was misusing your wife's name, they used your wife's name in vain. I don't think there's a husband in here with it that say, well, I just got to tune it out, you know? It ain't, it ain't no big thing. And so I just, I'm just, I just sit there in silence when someone's trashing my wife's name. There ain't one man in here who if they heard someone trashing their wife's name, wouldn't, wouldn't go ballistic and you ought to. Someone starts trashing my wife, I want you to know something. You're going to deal with me. Look, if I heard someone men trashing your wife, I'm not going to stand for it. It's not even my wife. Someone trashes my mama. Someone starts talking trash about my mother. Let me tell you something. You're going to deal with me. You don't trash my mother's name. But isn't it weird We'll allow someone just to trash the name of Jesus Christ or the name of God. We just kind of tune it out. It ain't no big deal. I don't want to ruffle any feathers, you know. <laughs> I think God gives you the permission to ruffle some feathers when his name is being bantered around in an ungodly, unholy, unsacred way. Psalms 29 says this, praise the name of the glorious Lord. One version says, praise the glorious name of the Lord. And that's what we ought to be doing, is praising his name. One of the ways you you keep God's name holy is when you treat his name with the utmost respect, when you use it carefully, when you use it lovingly, when you use it as an act of worship. Don't just let it slip out flippantly. And when you hear somebody, you know, misusing the name of the Lord, you need to say something. Now you need to use, you know, some tact. I get it. You may lose a friend. You may lose a family member, but let me tell you something. I'd rather lose a friend or lose a family member knowing that I'm sticking up for the most incredible name that there is. Okay, I lost a friend. I'm bummed out about it. I lost a family member. Okay, I don't get to see Uncle Joe anymore, but I'm not going to allow Uncle Joe to trash the name of God. Jesus says, hallowed be thy name. Sacred is the name of God. The Bible says in Acts chapter 4, there is salvation and no one else. God has given us no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. That's a powerful name. And that's a name that those of us who name the name of Christ ought to stand up for. I want to challenge you to speak up when somebody's close to you or whatever is misusing the the name of God. And it's a little bit more dicey when it's a stranger. But let me tell you something. You don't say anything. It it ought to convict you. And I know some of you right now, there's great conviction going on because it's not somebody else who's misusing the name of the Lord. You are. And you know what? Thank God that the Holy Spirit's alive and well in you. I'm glad that some of you right now are feeling the conviction of the Lord. I'm glad. It's going to be a great day for you. It's going to be a great day for the Lord because some of you just need to spend some time repenting today and saying, you know what? Forget about everybody else who misuses the name of the Lord. I do. I don't treat his name in a sacred way. I don't treat his name in a Holy way. Number two, you keep God's name holy or sacred when you represent God's name with great clarity. You need to treat His name with respect, but you need to represent God in His name with great clarity. The Bible says in 2 Timothy chapter 2 those, you know, the, the Lord knows, you know, those who are His. God knows who has given their life to Jesus Christ. And everyone who confesses the name of the Lord must turn away from wickedness. If you bear his name, the scriptures say, look, you got to turn from ungodliness. You got to turn from from wickedness. Now, none of us are going to do it perfectly. Perfectly. But it's one of the ways you keep his name holy is when you represent his name with clarity. If you name the name of Christ and you're still living in sin, you're doing all these sinful things, you're not representing the name of Christ with clarity. Those that name his name turn from wickedness. Beloved, your lifestyle can misuse the name of God. If you call yourself a believer, you need to act like one. If you're going to call yourself a Christian, don't drag Christ's name through the gutter by your lifestyle. You need to walk the, the, the talk. You honor God's name when you, resent, when you present his name or represent his name with clarity. You keep God's name holy and special when you live out your life in a way that represents him. Do you see that? That makes sense. I, 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 we're not building the space shuttle here. This is some per- per, you know, just basic stuff. 1 Peter chapter 4 says, "However, if you suffer as a Christian, don't, don't be ashamed, but praise God that you bear his name." One version says, "You wear that name." Did, did you get that Christian You bear the name of Jesus Christ. And one of the ways you make the name of God sacred, you make his name holy, is when you represent him clearly to people. Let me give you one of the biggest reasons I think people never give their life to Christ. People who are are Christians in name only in other words, they, they meet somebody that claims to be a Christian, but their lifestyle or their language is no different than anybody else, you know, who's a Christian. It's no different. Their life's no different. Their language is no different. They, in other words, they don't keep God's name sacred. They don't keep God's name holy, which leads them to, to the conclusion that they really don't need Jesus because Jesus doesn't make any difference in a life. Beloved, if you claim to be a believer, a Christian, remember, you bear his name. You're a, you're a walking billboard for Jesus. Oh. Oh. You're a walking advertisement for God. <laughs> Let that settle in. You wear his name. You bear his name. Now, none of us are going to do it perfectly. We're not. We've got these sinful bodies that we just got trouble with at times. I think one of the greatest testimonies is when you come down here on Tuesday nights and you see all these people in here that are just struggling with some sin, but they're here saying, you know what? I understand that I bear the name of Christ. I understand that I've got something in my life that doesn't represent Jesus or God's name clearly and I'm here to change my life. That's a powerful testimony. When somebody says, man, I know I'm not representing Christ clearly in this area of my life and I want help and I'm getting help. Truth is that there are are people all around you that are watching you. They're evaluating what comes out of your mouth. They're evaluating how you choose to live. They're evaluating where you go, what you do. You may not always know it, but they are. I think I've told you the story before of I hadn't been a youth pastor very long, in fact, our church wasn't even located here when I was a youth guy here for a while, and um, I had a couple of guys that I was mentoring, and I took them over to Schnitzel over here. You know, you get a hot dog and a Coke for like, back then, like 50 cents, it was unbelievable. So I go up, and I, I bought three Cokes for the boys that I was with, you know, and and it came to, you know, let's say a buck. I don't even remember. And I gave, you know, the, the, the person $20. And she gives me back my change plus $20 too much. Now for a second, you know, I got uh, my flesh. I got my flesh. I, and literally in a nanosecond, it's, whoa, yes. The Lord works in mysterious ways. <laughs> I just got three Cokes plus 20 bucks. This is unbelievable. And then, you know, the Holy Spirit's in you. This isn't right. And I said, hey, listen, uh, you gave me $20 too much. And she said, I know. Yeah. Yeah, I came to your youth group. I just wanted to see what you'd do. (laughs) Judas sold Jesus out for 20 shekels of silver. I almost did it for a twenty dollar bill. People are watching. If you own a business, your employees are watching. If you're an employee, fellow employees and the business owner is watching. If you're a student, your fellow students are watching. Your professors are watching. Your teachers are watching. If you're a teacher, your students are watching. If you live in a neighborhood, your neighbors are watching. You bear his name. And one of the ways you keep his name holy, one of the ways you keep his name sacred is when you represent his name clearly. Colossians says, everything you do... Your lifestyle, everything you say, the words that come out of your mouth should be done in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. First Timothy said, keep a close watch on how you live. You bear the name of Christ. And on your teaching, those things that come out of your mouth. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 says, so we are Christ's ambassadors. One version says, So we have been sent to speak for Christ. You sensing the weightiness of this? Are you sensing the weightiness of what it is to be a follower of Jesus Christ? that we've entered into this incredible relationship, this father-child relationship, and then Jesus says, listen, the next element of this is the deity and the worshiper. Hallowed be his name. Holy is his name. Sacred is his name. So you keep God's name holy or sacred when you treat his name with great respect and when you represent his name with clarity. And here's why I'd like to end this thing. I think some of you need to do some repenting this morning. That just means turning from how you were living or how you've been speaking and turning towards the Lord. And what a beautiful place to turn. Here you are heading this direction and repentance means you turn and you face Jesus. That's a win. It's a wind to turn and face the one who hung on a cross for you. And say, Jesus, I, my mouth's gotten a little crazy, and I, I, I haven't been keeping you holy. I haven't been keeping your name sacred. Or I've allowed others, I've allowed others in my business just to use your name in vain. Don't even say anything about it. And God, I want that to change. And you go back to some of your employees, you go back to some of the people you work with, your neighbors, your family members, and say, I'm so sorry, I heard from the Lord today. And I haven't been keeping his name holy. That's a huge, that's a powerful testimony. Some of you need to spend some time repenting about your lifestyle. Yeah, you're here this morning and praise the Lord for that, but you know, it's Monday through Saturday. And you need to say, God, I have not kept your name holy or sacred through my lifestyle. And I'm sorry, and I need to change that. And one of the beautiful things about this church is, is that we've got all kinds of ministries here that will help you. If you're struggling in some area of your life, some sin, whatever it might be, we understand that sin is a powerful thing. We, we get it, I know. Sin is powerful. It impacts every one of us. And we've got ministries here, that pastors here, counseling available here that can help you overcome maybe some of these areas of your life but let me tell you something, let me tell you the greatest way you can honor God's name, listen to me, this is for a few of you the greatest way you honor God, the greatest way you keep his name holy the greatest way you you make his name sacred is by inviting him into your life receiving him into your life and saying God I give you my life. That's the beginning step of making God holy. Making God sacred. Setting God apart in your own personal life. And some of you have never done that. You're here and you've been coming, but you've never given your life to Jesus Christ. Never. And for you, that's the beginning step. And so this is what I'm going to ask you to do. Just, just get onto your knees, just real quickly. If you're physically able, you don't have to get on your knees. I just want you to get you, get you alone with God. Don't worry about who's sitting next to you, your wife, your kids. Just, just quietly be alone for a moment, okay? And I don't know what God's telling you. I don't know. I got a zillion emails last night from some people who said, wow, I had to repent of quite a bit of sin. I have not been keeping God holy in my life through my language. I had to repent because I have not been representing God clearly through my lifestyle. Maybe that's you, tell God, tell God you're sorry, repent, turn to him. For some of you, you just need to pray a prayer like this. Jesus, I invite you into my life. My life's been about me, and I'm now giving my life to you. Cleanse me of my sin. I make you the sacred one in my life. I make you the holy one in my life. Come in. I give you my life.